Hello, everyone. Welcome to Minghui Radio, bringing you podcasts of stories relating to the persecution of Falun Gong in China, insights and experiences gained by practitioners during the course of their cultivation, special items of interest, and music composed and performed by Dafa practitioners. The following is an experience-sharing article from the 20th China Fahui on Minghui.org, entitled Walking to Beijing to Appeal for the Right to Practice Falun Dafa by a Falun Dafa practitioner in Shandong Province, China. The English translation was published on the Minghui website on November 10, 2023. In May 2000, 10 months after the persecution began, I went to Beijing for the third time to appeal for justice for Falun Dafa. Upon returning, my employer detained me in a small room at my workplace. According to management, anyone who went to Beijing twice would be sent to a forced labor camp. So by holding me in the small room, they said they were saving me. Every day, a manager would come to check on me. Other than that, five young security guards in their 20s took turns watching me. With nothing to do, they would play with their electric batons. The popping sound from the batons always made me feel stressed as if a hand was grabbing my heart. I couldn't study the Falun Dafa teachings, nor did I have a family member or a fellow practitioner to talk to. The only thing that supported me was my faith in Dafa and Master Lee, the founder of Falun Dafa. One day, I looked up at a rope draped over the beams supporting the ceiling and thought, this is too much for me. Why not hang myself here? Then I thought, I'm a Dafa disciple and I cannot do things that Master disallows. I knew that Falun Dafa prohibits killing, including suicide. The next day, the factory president came in with the deputy party secretary. They talked to me for over an hour. They said, You need to have a clear understanding about Falun Dafa. Otherwise, we will send you somewhere else. The police have many detention facilities for stubborn people like you. I remained silent. Seeing that they were unable to force me to renounce Falun Dafa, they left in frustration. The factory president also instructed the security guards to remove everything from the room, including the table, chair, and ropes, leaving only the bed. Thinking about their threat of sending me to the police, my fear intensified. Ever since I was a child, I was afraid of being beaten. But the more fear I had about the persecution, the more trouble followed. A few days later, my wife came to see me. She worked for the same factory, and she did not practice Falun Dafa. She told me that the factory recently suspended her salary after having suspended mine, with the excuse that she did not stop me from practicing Falun Dafa as she couldn't even afford to pay for our child's kindergarten admission fee, she asked for a divorce, which was the only way the factory could reinstate her salary. I had a limited understanding of Dafa's principles at the time, so I agreed. I said I didn't want anything out of the divorce settlement. I told her that if I became financially solvent in the future, I would make payments for child support. I did not feel much when I said that, but after she left, I was overwhelmed with fear, depression, despair, and the feeling of uncertainty. I felt that cultivation was so hard, 
and I began to cry. After a few more days on May 18th, my wife and I, along with two security guards assigned to watch me, went to the marriage registry office to file for the divorce. When signing the paperwork, both my wife and I cried. The pain was beyond words. Part 1. Leaving for Beijing As we walked to the bus station, I whispered to my wife about my plan of going to Beijing. I had been thinking about the trip over the past few days. Since I had nothing left, rather than passively waiting for them to send me to police custody, I should find an opportunity to escape and go to Beijing to appeal for Dafa. She quickly handed me 30 yuan in cash without the guards seeing it. It wasn't easy for me to make the decision. The pressure I was facing was like a huge mountain, and I also had to deal with all kinds of worries and fears. But whenever my heart wasn't stable, I would recite the following words from Lecture 7 of Falun. Quote, If humans didn't take action when cosmic changes occurred, such situations would therefore not come about in ordinary human society, and neither could they be called cosmic changes. Unquote. After returning to the detention room at my workplace, I started to prepare for the trip. I remembered when I went to Beijing the second time, I met a practitioner, a 20-year-old college student who traveled to Beijing on foot after escaping from detention. It was March and the weather was still cold in northern China, but he just walked to Beijing with nothing but thin clothes on. I decided to do the same. I managed to find a broken lock and then found an opportunity to replace it with the good one on the door. One night, I removed the lock and successfully walked out of the room. I could hear the guards snoring next door. I scaled the fence and quickly left. I kept walking the entire night. By 6 a.m., I had already left the city and was in a neighboring county. I was exhausted by then and my feet were developing blisters. Then I saw an abandoned house on the roadside, with a pile of wheat straw in a room. I went inside for a break. Right when I was about to lie down on the straw, Master's Fa Shen, law body, appeared, which was higher than the house. Holding me with his giant hand, Master said, My child, you can have a rest here. His giant hand then placed me on the straw. I was surrounded by compassionate energy. The warmth and gentleness were beyond words. Tears rolled down my face the moment I lay down. When Master saw me overcoming all kinds of difficulties to step forward to validate Dafa, he gave me the maximal help. I made up my mind that I must go to Beijing to validate Dafa. Part 2. A Long Journey Walking to Beijing was not easy. I soon began to experience all kinds of problems. It was about 700 kilometers, or 435 miles, from my city to Beijing. I was wearing a pair of leather shoes, which were not good walking shoes. In the first two days, the bottoms of my feet hurt, and eventually the pain spread all over. Later, my calves began to hurt, and then I had pain from my armpits to my feet. After that, I had so much pain all over that I could no longer tell where the pain came from. It hurt when I walked, but when I stopped, it hurt even more. I had no chance but to keep walking. When I was tired and couldn't continue, I knew it was hunger. 
I bought some dried steam buns and continued walking after a break. When I ran out of food, I would pick up something by the roadside and eat it. One morning, I walked for over an hour and could not continue due to thirst and hunger. Then I saw several broken watermelons in a ditch. I picked up one half to eat. That was the best watermelon I ever had in my life. The taste was better than anything else in this human world, almost divine. The temperature in May could reach over 20 degrees Celsius or 68 degrees Fahrenheit during the day and drop to 10 degrees Celsius or 50 degrees Fahrenheit at night. Every morning, I woke up cold and shivering. I slept in various places such as well houses, ditches, vegetable greenhouses, and wild fields. Growing up in the city since childhood, I feared snakes, bugs, and rats, but now I didn't have any fear, not a single thought about fear. I knew Master removed those substances of fear from me. There was one thing for sure. I was always on the right path. There were two reasons I knew this. One was that my previous trip to Beijing was on a bike with another practitioner, so I roughly remembered the road. And the other was that whenever I took the wrong road, someone would come up and ask me, Where are you going? After hearing that I was going to Beijing, they would say, You have to walk this way to Beijing. I never doubted the direction they showed me, and I could not remember how many times I was corrected. I knew Master was guiding me. Sometimes I told people that I was going to Beijing to appeal for Falun Dafa. If time permitted, I would spend more time explaining to them how Falun Dafa was unjustly persecuted. It was before the communist regime fabricated the Tiananmen self-immolation hoax, so most people didn't have any hatred against Dafa. They just knew that the government had banned it. Once I bought a popsicle from a woman with the last few coins I had. She offered me a camping stool to sit on and asked where I was going. I said, Beijing. What for? she asked. I said, I'm a Falun Dafa practitioner and the practice is very good. But the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, doesn't allow us to practice. They have also detained us, beaten us, and sent us to labor camps. I need to tell the authorities this is wrong. The woman responded, We also have Falun Dafa practitioners here. Some of them were arrested and some of them have been sent to brainwashing centers. Then she told me, as she pointed to an intersection, There are officials on this road to intercept people like you. Those officials often stay there. When you pass there, better be careful and don't get caught. I was moved by her kindness. I wanted to buy another popsicle, but I was out of money. She noticed my situation and offered me some ice water she'd brought for herself. I stayed to chat with her. She told me that their region had no rain for the past three or four years. Young men had moved out to look for jobs and only women, the elderly, and children were left behind. Pointing to a field far away with dust blowing, she said, See, the crops have died of drought. After staying for a while, I set off on the road again. Thanks to her tip, I wasn't caught at the checkpoint. It was really hot out there. With the ongoing drought and wind, there was dust everywhere. I was sweating and couldn't walk very fast. When it got dark, I stopped in the woods and decided to spend the night there. I don't know how long I slept, but I was awakened by raindrops hitting the tree leaves. I got up, found a plastic cover, and continued walking. The rain became heavier and heavier, and I could not find shelter. 
I was soaked to the skin. I kept walking until dawn. I had no energy left and was sleepy and hungry. Passing a bridge, I saw some large concrete pipes, so I went in for a rest. Sitting in the concrete pipe, I thought, the woman said that there hadn't been any rain for three or four years here. Maybe her kindness had brought blessings. Day after day, I kept walking. I was hoping to find a practitioner to walk with. After a few days, I came to realize that I needed to let go of my attachment to loneliness, so I gave up that thought. Occasionally, I had thoughts of giving up, or that I might die of starvation or fatigue. But with faith in Master and Dafa, I was able to overcome them. On May 27th, I started walking early in the morning. By about 9 p.m., I was exhausted. I saw a hut on a fruit farm by the road. I went there and slept on a stone slab. Not long after that, I woke up in the cold and wind. Since I could not sleep anymore, I decided to start walking. Part 3. Arriving at Beijing After walking several hours, I saw a lighted area in the darkness. As I kept walking, someone called out, You! Where are you going? I'm going to Beijing to appeal, I replied. Come here! shouted the man. I saw a stout-armed officer standing in front of the building carrying a submachine gun. I then realized that this is a checkpoint for entering Beijing. I went up to him and said, I'm a Falun Dafa practitioner and I came here to appeal. When he heard this, the officer pushed the muzzle of the gun against my temple and shouted, How dare you oppose the party? I will kill you now. I'm not against the party, I replied peacefully. I'm just here to explain the facts of Falun Dafa since the suppression is wrong. Then a man in his 50s arrived. He seemed to be there specifically to stop people from going to Beijing to appeal. He led me to a room behind the checkpoint. He was about to yell at me, but after hearing that I'd walked all the way there, he did not shout and ask me to sit down. He then talked for over an hour about the CCP's policy, but I didn't listen to a single word he said. He got tired and went back to sleep. I looked at the clock and saw that it was 2 a.m. on May 28th. It was exactly 10 days since I'd started the trip. Around 7 a.m., they handcuffed me to an electric pole by the road. All vehicles entering Beijing needed to stop for paperwork. Every driver would look at me and ask, Why are you here? I'm a Falun Dafa practitioner, I would reply. In the beginning, I was a little embarrassed. After some time, I realized that I am a Dafa disciple who had committed no wrongdoing. So I would look up and talk to the drivers. Although my face was dusty after walking for 10 days, my mood was good. Some drivers gave me a thumbs up. By noon, two police officers arrived. They filled in some paperwork and took me into a police van. After some time, we arrived at the Daxing District Police Department of Beijing and they took me inside for some paperwork. You are a Falun Dafa practitioner. Why did you come to Beijing? One of them asked. I want to tell the central government that the persecution is wrong. He asked, So you walked all the way to Beijing for this? Yes, I replied. Right then I noticed another police officer's shoulder quivering. I saw that both were shocked by what I did, walking over 700 kilometers to appeal. 
The police then took me to the Daxing District Detention Center. My mind was calm and I was even a little happy seeing the conditions there. Although over 10 people shared a big bed, at least we could take a shower with cold water and there was a big piece of steamed cornbread for each meal. All of this was much better than what I'd had on the road. After staying at the Daxing District Detention Center for two days, a police officer from my city came to pick me up. One of them gave me a thumbs up and said, You have brought glory to our city. After arriving at the liaison office in Beijing, they treated me nicely. I felt relaxed and happy. Part 4. Epilogue After returning to my city, the local police deceived me into going to a detention center and kept me there for 25 days. Officials then notified my father to pick me up. When my father saw me walking with my head lowered, he said to me, Raise your head. You didn't do anything wrong. This is your faith. After that, I went to Beijing a few more times to appeal for Dafa. Although my understanding was shallow at that time and I had attachments to reaching consummation, I still tried my best. Looking back on those days, the following words from Master in Lecture 9 of Falun always gave me strength when I was in the most difficult moments. Quote, When practicing cultivation in the past, many great masters told me these words, and they said, When it's difficult to endure, you can endure it. When it's impossible to do, you can do it. In fact, that's how it is. Why don't you give it a try when you return home? When you are overcoming a real hardship or tribulation, you try it. When it is difficult to endure, try to endure it. When it looks impossible and is said to be impossible, give it a try and see if it is possible. If you can actually do it, you will indeed find, after passing the shady willow trees, there will be bright flowers and another village ahead." Unquote. The following is an experience sharing article entitled Persevere in Sending Forth Righteous Thoughts by a Falun Dafa practitioner in China. The article was published on the Mingwei website on October 13, 2023. I was so drowsy at midnight last night that I could not sit up and did not send forth righteous thoughts. I want to do well what Master requires of us, so when this happens, I always feel upset with myself afterward. I had a break at work today at noontime, so I sent forth righteous thoughts. I extended it for five extra minutes to cleanse my space field further. I wanted to eliminate all evil factors that interfere with my sending forth righteous thoughts, factors that cause drowsiness. Everything is included and nothing is left out. Initially, I felt a little sleepy during these extra five minutes, but I did my best to stay awake. A moment later, I felt something moving quickly in my mind and I felt extremely alert. In an instant, my drowsiness disappeared and my energy multiplied. I was greatly encouraged and reminded myself to stay calm and extended my sending forth righteous thoughts for ten more minutes. Even though I cannot see what happens in other dimensions, I firmly believe our righteous thoughts can eliminate the evil. 
As long as we can keep up our righteous thoughts, we will eliminate factors that cause drowsiness, and Master will help us. I feel Master is always watching over His disciple, even when I fail to do well. This experience of sending forth righteous thoughts made me realize when I am interfered with in sending forth righteous thoughts, I must not lose heart, let alone give up. I must persevere. Thank you for listening to the Minghui Radio Podcast. For more information, including news about the persecution of Falun Gong practitioners in China and experience sharing stories by practitioners around the world, please visit our website at en.minghui.org. 